Good afternoon, New York, and the rest of our listeners around the globe. My name is June Stoyer, and I'm the host of the Organic View Radio Show. Our podcast is available on iTunes, Zoom, and you can also visit our website at www.theorganicview.com. If you'd like to be on the show or would like to find out about sponsorship opportunities, please contact us at questions at theorganicview.com. Today's show is sponsored by Eden Foods, the most trusted name in certified organic clean food. When you shop online at EdenFoods.com, enter the coupon code ORGVIEW to receive 20% off any regularly priced items, excluding cases. For other promotional offers, please visit TheOrganicView.com's website. And don't forget to check out our contest section. On today's show, Tom and I are going to talk to commercial migratory beekeeper Jim Doan, who's going to give us an update about this year's almond pollination... And then a little later on, Tom is going to also give an update about the local battle in Colorado to prevent GMOs to be grown on public land. First, I'd like to welcome to the show my co-host, Colorado beekeeper Tom Theobald. Hello, Tom. Hello, June. And our guest today, Jim Doan. Jim, how are you? I'm great, June. How are you today? Hi, Tom. Hi, Jim. Fabulous, Jim. Jim, it is so great to hear from you. For those of you that don't know Jim Doan, he is a New York commercial migratory beekeeper, and he was just on the show a few weeks ago talking about all of the difficulties he's been having just trying to prepare for this year's California almond pollination season. So, Jim, how are things going? You know, we're getting our bees uh, back here from California in about 8 to 10 days, it sounds like. Our bees look pretty good, uh, I understand. We didn't have real great bees to send out to California, but this was one of those years where the weather's been perfect, and so the bees really had a great opportunity to grow in California. Unfortunately, there wasn't the bees out in California, as we suspected there wouldn't be, and there was a lot of uh, hives, from what I understand, that did not have bees in them. We're not sure how short of amount of hives they were in California, but they, we know that they were short. Many growers did not get bees. Very interesting. Uh, do you have any guess at all as to what the percentage shortage was, Jim? I, I don't know, but I do know like uh, companies like Paramount, in order to make the amount of bees that they needed, they lowered the, the hives per acre so that they had enough bees to cover their acreage. They, they actually, that was the only way they could get enough bees to cover their acreage is by simply lowering the number of hives per acre. But I, I do know, Tom, that I, I'm hearing areas of California that, you know, growers just were unable to obtain bees. Either their grower, the beekeeper didn't show up or uh, they contracted bees that, that were dead when they got there. And so there were quite a few people that just didn't get them. Now, how that's going to affect the overall almond crop, nobody really knows. You know, because they have had perfect weather. So there's probably been some bees that have been able to go and pollinate other people's crops, even though they weren't put on those crops. So it may not be as devastating as if we've had pretty bad weather out in California for this season. At what time of the year do they harvest the almonds, Jim? Oh, they won't harvest them until October. So they won't. So we no, won't I mean, really know, know until October. Yeah. So, well, they'll know, Tom. I mean, they can go in and they'll start doing uh, uh, counts before that. I mean, to know what kind of sets they have in that. Uh-huh. But uh, I, I don't, 
I, you're right. Until they actually harvest them, they won't know how many tons, you know, how big the nuts were or anything. But uh, the long-term forecast is they're going to want more bees next year. We couldn't provide them with enough bees this year. We certainly aren't going to have more bees next year. I mean, it's just not in the cards to produce more bees. Jim, have you spoken to anybody else, such as Dave Hackenberg or any of the other commercial migratory beekeepers that you know? Yes, I've talked to several. Uh, I know talking to David Hackenberg, he actually was touring out there for the last month. and uh, He said he ran into quite a few growers that didn't have couldn't get bees. He had ridden around with commercial beekeepers out there where they would pull up to groups of bees and there just wasn't any bees coming out of the hives at 70 degrees, which would reflect that there was no bees in those hives that were delivered. And I have seen pictures on the commercial beekeepers Facebook page of hives of bees that didn't even, or boxes that didn't even have wax in the comb that were obviously placed out there with the intent of misleading the, the grower that he was even getting bees. Theft was in the news quite a bit. Was that a serious problem or just a few bad apples? Well, I think uh, there is a serious problem. Just people not having enough bees. And so they make contracts or they make commitments that they can't fulfill. And uh, and also because Tom now, with the money being so big and, and the prices got up $200 or more, that there's also people out there that are fraudulently representing themselves as beekeepers when actually they're not beekeepers at all and taking people's money. I know of at least one case where a grower did not receive any bees after he paid the broker, and the broker simply ran off with the money. And, and there's also a man that was in the Livingston, Fresno area that was misrepresenting himself as a broker who delivered less than good quality bees to his contracts and uh, ran off with the money, never paid the beekeepers. Mm-hmm. Jim, there was some discussion on LinkedIn in regards to this very situation. Someone made a suggestion that perhaps the brokers should be held accountable because he felt it's no different than a scrap dealer accepting stolen pipes, manhole covers, wiring, etc. So is this something that is even doable? Well, I think it's something that needs to definitely be looked into by the almond growers and the beekeepers because... We were, we were one of the people that sent bees out, got caught up in this mess that we thought we sent them to a reputable person and the person had already gotten paid and delivered our bees and they were not the quality that the grower had paid for. The, the grower had paid for a certain quality and we were told to ship a certain quality and that two, there were two different contracts and in turn we didn't get paid. Right now we're trying to track that broker down. And the problem is, June, this is not a this particular case, and we're finding this with many these brokers, that it's a civil matter. The police don't even get involved because it's not a crime based on California law. Wow. Yeah. So I guess even in civil court, you can't sue for theft of property? Well, the property's not sold. We, we know where our property is. It's just we haven't been paid. And it's not the farmer paid the broker. The broker just simply did not pay us. And it becomes a civil matter that we have to catch the the broker and sue him for our money. So that's where we're at. Is, is unfortunately, uh, a bunch of us have to track down this broker and uh, and sue him. And currently, this is a broker that's done this multiple times. He just uses different aliases. 
and we just got caught in that mess along with a bunch of other people, and, and it's unfortunate. But this is part of what's going on, too, out there in, in Tom, and, you know, there's going to be a lot more of this. The, the more money that these are worth, the more money that growers are willing to uh, to put out to get bees, especially on a year like this when there wasn't bees available. Well, I'm sure, especially as it is with other farming communities, within the beekeeping community, I'm sure everybody knows who everybody is and the person in question or outfit that's in question, it's just a matter of time before that knowledge becomes rampant amongst the community. Right. And I, I think it, with these types of situations, when someone is doing business unethically, it has a way of reaching the people that need to know, you know, this person will probably move on to another area altogether. Right. Well, we hope we can catch him, and I'm sure we can. It's not that we don't know who, is, who he is or what his name is, and, and it's just a matter of, of time that we will catch up with him, and, and uh, hopefully he'll still have our money and uh, the other beekeepers' money that, uh, that he took along with the farmers that he did not uh, deliver bees to. So uh, that's, that's the more unfortunate part is there were, there were farmers that he took money from that never got bees. And, uh, and that makes it tougher on the whole industry. It's also a very interesting situation because folks that are involved with the work that you do work in very remote areas, and that's really not too smart on his behalf to... Yeah be so careless but uh you know keep us posted jim that's right that's right <laughs> we'll catch up so anyway but that's i'm sure you will california and california like i said most people are going to be starting are starting to release bees and i would guess by the end of um, next week we will certainly see all the bees out of california uh, moving to other parts of the country which uh it looks like here you know we just left new york that uh, apples are going to be early as it's going to be in the 50s and 60s next week. And we certainly have no snow and, and frost in the ground. So I think everyone's going to be hustling to get uh, their bees moved off to the next crop. Well, thank you so much for your time, Jim. I know that you're out in the fields, and we really do appreciate you calling in and giving us an update on what's going on, because I know so many of our listeners are very interested in what's going on, not just here in the United States, but around the globe. Well, good. Well, you guys have a great day. Thanks, Tom. Thanks, Jim. Talk to you later. Thank you, Jim. Now, Tom, you have some very interesting things going on in your neck of the woods. Can you share with the listeners a little bit of the history as far as what's been going on with this public debate as far as whether or not GMOs should be grown on public land in Colorado? We talked a little bit about it last week, June, and uh, some of this will be a recap. But uh, essentially what happened five years ago, actually about seven years ago, Citizens raised questions about the farmers' wishes to grow genetically modified crops on county-owned land. That's land that had been purchased with taxpayer money as part of an open space program. And we now have about 24,000 acres of agricultural land. Genetic Genetically engineered crops were coming onto the market, and the farmers here wanted to try them. 
the way it has worked is the county would purchase the land or purchase a conservation easement on the land and very often would lease that land back to the farmers and the farm families who had been the original owners because that's the farm resource in this county. They're the people who know how to farm. Well, there was a, uh, a committee created that met monthly for almost two years, and they came up with a cropland policy for county lands, and it provided for the growing of genetically modified corn initially, and then within a couple of years, genetically modified sugar beets. Part of the cropland policy that was created in 2011 called for a review of that decision in five years, and we're in the fifth year. So the county commissioners have been taking written and and oral commentary from the citizenry, and that culminated just this Monday with a uh, public hearing that started at 1 in the afternoon, ran until 5, they took an hour break to eat, and then went from 6 until about 10.30 that evening. 105 people testified. Each got three minutes. Some were able to share the time with others and had up to 10 minutes to make their presentations. And if we use the uh, the comments, there were 105 people who spoke. And if we use that as an indication of what the public sentiment is, most of the commentary in favor of the continued use came from the farmers, the crop consultants, and uh, and that end of the agricultural industry. The rest were primarily citizens or organic farmers, and what it came down to is about 65% of the people who spoke spoke against the use of county-owned land citizen-owned land for genetically modified crops. That's uh, about two to one. Now, the next steps are a hearing before the County Parks and Open Space Advisory Committee, which considers these kinds of questions and then advises the county commissioners, who are the head of our, our form of county government. And... Uh, the Parks and Open Space Committee will conduct a hearing on the 15th of March, very soon. And then two days later, the county commissioners will conduct a final public hearing. And then I'm not sure how much time they're going to take, but they'll have to make a decision as to whether or not genetic engineered crops can be grown on county land. The concern on the part of the citizens has been that when the county cropland policy was finalized and uh, it, it provided for a transition away from these genetically modified crops and we have two of the three sitting commissioners who ran on that very platform to, to lead us away from the genetically modified crops and one of the major concerns on the part of the citizens who spoke is that we're here now five years down the road and nothing has been done. So this is going to get very interesting politically, I think, because I think the, the citizens, the majority of the citizens are 
running out of patience with a county government that appears not to be carrying out their interests or protecting their asset, which is public land. So we'll uh, we'll follow this. Obviously, it has a direct effect on me as a beekeeper, and I'm sure we'll be reporting more of it as it unfolds. Now, Tom, you did speak in front of the committee. Can you just talk a little bit about what you communicated as far as what your thoughts were and your recommendations? I said a number of things. I uh, the, the commissioners provided three days in which people who wanted to speak to them face-to-face could come, and they would have 30 minutes. And I took one of those sessions. So I've, I've been eye-to-eye with the commissioners. I also took a three-minute spot on Monday's uh, schedule. And I submitted uh, comments to the commissioners. And I think I might have touched on it last week, but this is a very interesting uh, change that's taking place here, particularly for someone like me who's a beekeeper. In order to run a commercial beekeeping operation as I have or Jim Doan or any of the others, we can't begin to own all the land that's necessary for the forage for our bees. So historically, we have always been welcome guests on the land. And we've tried to be accommodating, and we've tried to do that in a way that didn't inconvenience our hosts and and be good guests. Well, what's happened now is the citizens, including the beekeepers, are now the owners of 24,000 acres of land, and it's the farmers who are guests upon the land. And the question is, just who decides what's grown on that land or not. This may ultimately come down to a question of whether the the concerns and interests of the citizens are what guide us or these new technologies, which the majority of the citizens apparently consider to be damaging to their asset, to, their, to the soil, to the Uh, value of their land and present very serious health questions. And, And it may just boil down to the fact that the landowners simply do not want these kinds of crops grown on their land, regardless of what the science may be telling us. Well, it'll be interesting to see how things play out, especially since this is an election year. I think it's interesting that overwhelmingly, especially since yesterday was Super Tuesday, Bernie Sanders was was the person chosen by the people of Colorado for for their choice. Yeah. So that kind of sends quite a message to Hillary Clinton's camp. And Hillary Clinton is very pro-GMO, very open about that. And she's also been very much in support of fracking, which I know has taken place in Colorado. I think there's a growing public concern about genetic modification. And I don't believe that it's on the radar of any of these major candidates yet, but I think it will be. I don't. I think people are becoming very, very concerned about what's being done. And that's one of the interesting things about what's happening here in Boulder County. 
while this is a local issue, I think it's of national significance because not only does it present the arguments before the people, but whatever is decided here will be referred to by uh, municipalities and counties throughout the country as a precedent one way or the other. So it's going to be interesting to see how this unfolds. I'm just confirming I'm just confirming that he did win Colorado. 57% I think. He did. Yeah, he did he did win. Yeah. I just want to make sure. Yeah, we were um, that mistake. He definitely made, yeah. Well, um Yeah, so in Colorado, he definitely won. Colorado, Minnesota, interesting. Well, Tom, I think especially in the state of Colorado, people are quite aware of the impact of GMOs. And I think the fact that Sanders was the choice over Clinton sends a significant message, at least as far as the Democrats are concerned. But the bottom line is, the American public does not want GMOs. They want GMOs to be labeled, which that has not happened. And it seems almost as if, regardless of what the American public wants, we're not getting it because of elected officials that are basically owned by the corporations. And that is going to be the case if Clinton wins. And, of course, she's not going to have it on her agenda because she knows that it is an issue that would cost her millions of votes. People don't want GMOs, and she's focusing on issues that do resonate with them. But the GMO issue and the fracking issue, that would basically be the end of her if she were to focus on that. So Bernie Sanders is addressing the fact that the corporation's should not have the influence that they have. So I think people are coming around and it's becoming more and more of an issue. And that has been raised right here. You know, that question has come right down to the county level. The question is whether or not there's been any collusion here between the people who stand to profit from these technologies, the biotech community and the chemical companies, whether there's been any collusion with that group and the county government people. I don't know whether there has been or not, but I think that we're going to shine some light on this question and find out, and it could get tense. It's It could get messy. Well, as far as the Republican ticket, I will say this much. While it has not been an issue that has been addressed mainstream. I do know that the Trump organization has supported initiatives, especially with a certification, which was unique. Trump Chicago was the first to obtain a certification for organic for their in-dining service, and they were the first hotel property to do so. So, And this was not something that Donald Trump necessarily orchestrated. These were the people that he hired that wanted it, and he hires exceptionally bright people. So 
having said that, let's hope that the same people that work for him continue to make these types of decisions um, if he should wind up becoming president. Because right now, nobody else in the Republican Party is talking about it. And obviously, Bernie Sanders is the only one who's talking about the issues with the corporations. But, you know, once again, um, it has not become a mainstream issue. I don't know at what point when it will be, especially since food security is what's at stake here. Talk is cheap. They all talk a good game when they're running for the office. I think uh, we can look at a recent... uh, Example of what happens, President Obama, I think with good intentions, uh, put out a presidential memorandum or whatever it was called, calling for a review of the pollinator problem. And you believe that? And uh, what what they did was they put... Two years in a row he did that and you're believing that? They put the EPA and the USDA in charge of that. And I said it's like putting the burglars in charge of investigating the rash of burglaries and what we So how is that a positive action by Obama's camp? What we, I think that's basically appeasing the public and all the well, activists especially Center for Food Safety, just, Friends of the Earth. Let's just assume that it was well intentioned, but what happened in its in carrying out that directive, the EPA and the USDA did everything they could to avoid any discussion whatsoever of the pesticide issue, and that's the major player in these environmental damages, as well as in the monarchs and the bees and everything else. So the system is very hard to change. None of these people want to admit to anything. I think it's an appeasement. That's all they're trying to do is give people a little something just to shut them up, which at uh, the time it did. Yes, well, we'll see what happens. We'll see if this if there's another presidential memorandum that comes out this June, as in the previous two years. So I don't know. I, I'm not as optimistic as you are, Tom, because I think if they really wanted to do something with the most powerful nation on the face of the earth, we could do something. And to just put this off for so long is shameful. I agree. Tom, thank you so much for joining me today and to be continued next week. It's an interesting story, and every week is another chapter. It certainly is. I would like to just say hello to two more of our loyal listeners, Mr. Jeff Rainey out of Virginia, who is a local beekeeper who uh, has been listening to the show for a number of years, very supportive of all of our efforts as well as a gal named April Morgano from 2LetItBe.com. She is doing a lot of great things in the Illinois area, and I really do appreciate all the feedback, all the support that both of, both of these folks have been giving us over the years. So I just wanted to say a quick hello to them. And folks, if you have a question for either me or for Tom, please write to us at questions at theorganicview.com. You can also connect with us on social media, on Twitter and Facebook, LinkedIn. We're all over the place. Thank you for tuning in. This has been June Stoyer with the Organic View Radio Show. Have a great afternoon.